If you have selfish ambition in your hearts, if you have jealousy in your hearts, it is going to cloud your vision spiritually completely, where you will be calling what is good evil and what's evil good. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees are supposed to be the most godly people in the times of Jesus. But yet they're saying that Jesus is casting out demons with demonic powers. They're calling what was good, the most good, the most pure, the most godly, evil. The pure shall see God. They were not pure in their hearts. They had selfish ambition. They wanted a bigger ministry than Jesus. They were jealous of his ministry. And it clouded their vision so much that they even thought he should be crucified. So this is how it works today. That when there is jealousy and selfish ambition in hearts, vision is clouded and what is good is called evil. This is what we see with all of the exposing, all of the exposing videos and all of those people out there who are exposing ministers. There's jealousy and selfish ambition in their hearts. Some of them, what they think they're doing is right because they're so blinded, just like the Pharisees. Some of them know what they're doing. They are like who Paul says, they're literally preaching out of selfish ambition and jealousy and competition. What's really ironic is that many people today Though the Bible says, test the fruits yourself, you test the fruits. You look with your pure heart. And if it's not pure, humble yourself so God can purify you. Though the word of God says that, most people don't test the fruits themselves. They instead go listen to the Pharisees of today. They listen to those making the exposed videos. And if they're not making the videos, they're sharing the videos. They're listening to these people to get their discernment from them. But that's very foolish because these people, they cannot see in the spirit at all. They are not pure. They have jealousy and selfish ambition. The Bible says you should test the fruits. You have Holy Spirit in you. In steps to discern, the first step is you need to humble yourself because the pure shall see God. And so to discern is simply to see God or to not see God there. So if you are not pure, you will not be able to see God in a person, in a ministry. So the first step for you to even be able to discern is to humble yourself, to be real about what's going on inside your heart. The only way that false teaching is able to be properly discerned is through the gift of the discerning of spirits. In fact, it is only revealed that way because otherwise, that's why Paul said, he said, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came in demonstration and power of the Spirit. The reason that that happens and the reason that Paul said, I came with demonstration is because in order for there to be teaching given, inspired by the Holy Ghost, it must be taught by the power of God. Devils feast off of the realm of flesh. And the flesh is not the natural body. Flesh is a realm of darkness that demons operate in. And so Paul is saying here that those that have departed from the faith are going to give heed to these demonic powers because there's going to be no operation of the miraculous in their midst to decipher between that which is holy and that which is profane. 
That's why we cannot separate the power of God from the Word of God. They are one and the same, and we have to have them flowing together. We need the Word and the Spirit in this hour in order to see the mighty move of God in this earth. We can sing all the nice songs that we want. We can, we can, we can do all the great things that we want to do in humanitarian relief. But if the power of God is not in our midst, we can be deceived. Then we have to, in these latter times, make it more of a priority to build up ourselves in our most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why you have to open up your Bible and you should be reading it. That's why you should be sitting under ministries that are preaching the unadulterated Word of God that is carrying the power of God and demonstration of the Spirit. Because without it, there can be deception. And you need to find maybe that personality that you like. Maybe Brother Charlie isn't that guy. Today's episode is going to be dealing with how to discern false teaching. And what's interesting about this topic today is the first two clips I just played for you came from those that I would deem that their teaching is highly questionable and their practices are highly questionable and not aligning with scripture. But at any rate, both of the voices that you just heard in these clips are ascribing to helping others understand proper biblical discernment. And even in the second video with Charlie Champ, the title of that video was Discerning False Teaching. Now, Catherine Crick comes at it from a, a standpoint, which was the first clip that you heard. She is coming at it from a place of addressing those that would call out false teaching or claim that she's a false teacher or a false apostle, that they're Pharisees. Those who would call things out, their heart is impure, they're jealous, you heard her say, and their motives are wrong, that they are doing it out of ambition, out of jealousy, which seems presumptuous considering that I dare say that she doesn't know many of the people that she's saying these things about. She's just presuming. She's not actually testing their teaching. It's it's a, a basically a rebuttal to shut down critical thinking, to shut down any sort of speculation that would cause any sort of negative light to be shed upon what is being said and to give it some sort of inspection or evaluation. So you heard that one. And then Charlie Champ was the second. He was talking about discerning false teaching, as I said. It's what he uh, titled it as. And he referred to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, which we will look at today. And we'll glean from some commentaries, trying to get a better understanding of what that passage means in the proper context, along with a couple other verses that are mentioned in a different teaching we're going to be looking at today. It would seem in the eight-minute clip that Charlie Champ shared he was implying uh, false teaching can be discerned by those that don't do miracle signs and wonders. And I've heard him talk about these things before that he believes, along with others, that this uh, the full gospel includes miracle signs and wonders and those that do not minister that are ministering a false gospel, that that is a false teaching if you don't have signs and wonders, that the power of God is demonstrated in signs and wonders. It seems that there is a negation of the fact that uh, the power of God is salvation that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans talks about this. Simply the salvation of souls, the transformation of a, a, a spiritually dead person to life is not miraculous, apparently. I was going to talk about Charlie Champ initially in what he said. But then I saw a video that was shared by someone that may be familiar to you. 
And I've talked about this lady's ministry in the past. It's Jenny Weaver. She has a women's group that's a discipleship group called The Core Group. I talked about the children's aspect of it uh, fairly recently in an, an episode and expressing great concern over what the children are being taught. That concern extends to adults as well. Uh, she teaches both men and women in this core group. I don't know what numbers they are up to now, but uh, last time we talked on this episode, she was at about 8,000 members in her core group for women by alone, about 1,300 men. So I'm sure that that has grown since then. But at any rate, uh, she focuses on deliverance ministry and other aspects, but she's been focusing on deliverance for the past year. She's been doing weekly teachings on deliverance ministry and instilling that into these women. She provided a video, and she's been doing these uh, recently, about seducing spirits, monitoring spirits. And I listened to the most recent one that she did, actually today, on seducing spirits. The clip that I'm about to share with you caught my attention, and it disturbed me. And not that the other parts of it didn't disturb me, but this in particular. And so with that, I'm going to actually discuss this today. I'm going to point you back to Scripture and some of the ones that she references. And I'm going to offer... Uh, a stern warning about this particular enterprise that is going on. And so with that, I hope that you will glean from this episode today, that you will uh, continue to be encouraged to look at Scripture, to read it and to study it, and to know what it says in context, and to not be afraid to call people into question. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Six Scribe. What I teach is from the Bible. You cannot contest my doctrine. You cannot contest it. People can say all kinds of things about me. They can say, oh, I feel this, I feel, but you cannot speak against what I teach because I'm teaching line by line the Word of God. And I'm not coming up with my own crazy deep revelation so that you can think I'm super spiritual. I'm just going to give you the straight up Bible. And if you cannot handle the straight up Bible and the straight up doctrine from the Word of God, then it is what it is. Okay? So let that be known. You cannot contest it. I teach by the Bible and it is what it is. Okay? When we start talking about seducing spirits, this one stirs up devils. Oh, it stirs up devils. And so many people are like, oh, I don't, want, I don't know about... Well, it's not that you're feeling that something's off about me. It's that your demons are getting stirred up because they don't want you to be free. Let's go to the Word of God for this. So that's the clip I wanted to share as we get started looking at this teaching on seducing spirits today, and that may sound like it doesn't go with discerning false teaching, but it actually does because there's things she mentions in this that allude to that, allude to these false teachings, these doctrines of demons. She's going to reference again, just as Charlie Shamp did in his eight-minute clip, she's going to reference 1 Timothy 4.1. And so I wanted to look at that today along with a couple other verses that she mentions because she talks about that we are not to be ignorant of, of the devil's devices. That's in Corinthians. I'm familiar with that passage. That's taught in demonology courses. I taught demonology when I was in this in the local church that I was part of. So there are specific verses, go-to verses, that people will teach on this, um, and they'll utilize these in, in also trying to negate people that are naysayers or trying to present concerns um, and error that's being taught. 
And I'm just going to be very blunt in saying that, um, that Jenny's a false teacher. And I pray that she comes to repentance. I really do. Because she mentions earlier on when and about two and a half minutes in, which is interesting. She talks about uh, speaking of the truth of the gospel. And that's how she puts it. And then she goes on in to explain why her doctrine is biblical. And she begins with talking about what accountability she's under, that she's under a pastor, that she's been under since she was younger, that she's under an apostle. She's fully submitted to that apostle. She has mentors. She has spiritual mothers. She is submitted to her husband. And from there, she goes on to say what she teaches is from the Bible and you cannot contest my doctrine is what she says. Right after she says that, she then goes on to say, remember who her audience typically is, because she also does additional teachings in the core group that the women have to pay to be part of $20 a month to be part of. I took a moment to look at the Facebook page for this group. As of right now, there's 11,000 likes. There's 14,000 following the page. That doesn't tell me how many membership, but I think it's probably safe to say that it's it's uh, approached at least 10,000 that are full-fledged members, and it's probably more than that. But these women have to pay to be part of that group. And in that, they get incentives. They get perks. They get access to videos. They get access to Jenny. They get access to uh, summer camps and, and retreats, and they do. And there's all different kinds of things that come with that. Um, what does not come with that, and I'll be frank because I've listened to some of these teachings, what does not come with that is the ability to question and call into question teaching that does not align with Scripture. And just because you use Bible verses does not mean that it's biblical. There are Mormons that use Bible verses. There are Jehovah's Witnesses that use Bible verses. There are other religious sects that use Bible verses. That does not mean that they are teaching sound doctrine. And that's a rather foolish thing to say to people that you cannot test my doctrine, which let me just again bluntly say this. That's what false teachers say. False teachers say you cannot test me. That's what cult leaders say. I don't know if she's leading a cult or not, but that's what cult leaders say. You cannot test my teaching. That's what super apostles say. You cannot test my teaching. You cannot question my teaching because if you do that, you're ultimately questioning God who has put me in this authority and this place of notoriety and you cannot question me because I hear directly from God. So for her to make such a claim like that, and I'm pretty passionate about this right now because of a, a couple of reasons. The first reason is, is that I was actually under the same apostle that she was under. And so I see the amount of influence that Jenny has had from this apostle because this was this is a similar treatment. Um, it's, it's the same type of treatment, different person. When you test things and you call things into question and you call them into question in accordance with scripture, let me just make that statement as well. I'm going to be making numerous statements as we go, and I want to be clear in what I'm and what I'm trying to present. In case there are women that are part of this group or have come out of this group that come across this episode, and I hope that it will be of some help to you and that you will be encouraged to go back to the Word of God and that it's okay to ask questions because a good leader, and Jenny's not a pastor, and I hope that she wouldn't say that she is. I don't think that she would. But she's not a pastor. She's not a shepherd. Men are the only ones that can be pastors. I understand in some of her teachings that she mentions, especially in this video, and we'll play some clips today. Uh, I don't know if we'll play this one, but she talks about that people that have issues with her, they have seducing spirits and they've adopted doctrines of demons. And those people are the ones that say that women can't preach, which that is a gross misunderstanding in what she's saying. There's a difference between proclaiming the gospel. Women are most certainly able to proclaim the gospel. The issue is, is that there are parameters set in scripture as to what women can do because of the order that God has established. 
God established the order. Men are to be the ones that pastor. Men are the ones that are to lead churches and to be shepherds. They are the ones that are be elders in the church. There is an order, just like in marriage. Husbands are to be the, the head of the house. It does not mean that women are less than. But we must understand as biblical, godly, God-fearing women that there is a biblical order in Scripture. And so she says this in this video, that those that have adopted doctrines of demons are the ones that have an issue with her preaching, that they have an issue with her teaching of tongues, of deliverance ministry. So I'm sure that she would say I have a demon um, because of the fact that I have an issue with what she says about her authority as a woman in the kingdom of God. I would have an issue with what she says about tongues. I would have an issue with what she teaches about deliverance because I believe that she's perpetuating further bondage of other women. And I'm here to tell you as a, as a woman who came out of this movement, there is far more freedom in trusting what the truth of God's, of God's word says than there is in these teachings, especially with someone that tells you, my doctrine is solid and you can't question it. A good leader is going to welcome questioning. And a, and a Christian, a born-again believer, understands that they are not above questioning, that we are all to be held accountable for the things that we say. Now, I also am going to say this, and I think I got sidetracked for just a minute, and that happens sometimes. We do not appeal to dreams in order to preach the truth. If we have questions about people, I was recently tagged in a Facebook live that was exposing about Jenny. And though I, I appreciate what this lady was saying, she appealed to a dream she had about Jenny in the core group. She also appealed to a thus saith the Lord from her. It seemed like it did not come from scripture. If I misunderstood that, I, I'll stand corrected um, as far as what she read. But I watched that video and what she said. I appreciate her concern for other women, but it also seemed like that she was equally saying things that were not lining up with scripture. She appealed to a dream and she appealed to a, a personal revelation that God gave her a word of the Lord. That is not the final authority that we rest upon. The final authority that we rest upon in order to deal with false teaching or teaching that is highly questionable or of great concern is to go back to the word of God. And so with that, we're going to look at this teaching today that Jenny Weaver presented and the core group. I'm going to share some things along the way. We're going to look at scripture and I'm, and I'm going to appeal at the end and maybe even through this, uh, an appeal not only to Jenny, but also to the, the women in the core group. I believe this, this group is very problematic. I believe that this group is manipulative. I believe that there's, a, there's um, potential spiritual abuse that's going on. I believe that there is gross um, false teaching that's being perpetuated in this. I believe it's legalistic. And I believe that, that there is great error in here. And I'm greatly concerned, not only for the women that are a part of it, but for Jenny and her family. Um, and this is public teaching. And, and I've tried to reach out to Jenny at least on one occasion, if not two occasions, without any response back about other things that have happened. And I've been blocked on social media from her personal page. That happened shortly after um, we left the enterprise that we were part of. And I'm going to say this now. <laughs> Lots of things I'm saying. I'm going to say this now. I will no longer from this day forward refer to what we were part of as a ministry. It was an enterprise. Because the more that I listen to these things and the more that I, that I recollect the things that I was told, the more I realize that these are not ministries. These are businesses. These are enterprises in order to build someone else's kingdom, someone else's empire. 
And so um, I've known that for a long time, but I just never really could figure out what I wanted personally to refer to them as. They're not ministries because I do not believe that they're helping people. They're not causing people to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not perpetuating biblical, sound biblical doctrine. They're not uh, bringing sound biblical teaching. It's always this focus on the demonic or other things and continuing to create this spiritual hamster wheel for people just to spin on and they get nowhere and they get exhausted and they don't have an understanding of justification, sanctification, glorification, they don't understand uh, how to deal with sin as far as progressive sanctification is concerned in their life. They don't probably don't, may not even have an understanding of Scripture. Uh, they may not even have an understanding of the true gospel. And another glaring issue that I've seen, I recently wrote an article for the Servants of Grace. I was asked to write an article, and I appreciate that. And, and I think I'm going to get up more opportunities to write. So I praise the Lord for that and, and pray that it, He uses it for His glory. But I wrote about why, why doctrine matters, why the Bible matters. And I've, I came across some statistics that uh, are current that were just alarming as far as people who not only didn't read the Bible every day, which is about 10% of people, professing people that were surveyed as Christians read the Bible daily, but there were um, high percentages of people that were now over the past couple years, the percentages are starting to change to where people are now not acknowledging that the Bible is the literal word of God. There are people that, um, I think there's 30% of people that believe it was just fables and stories. Those are professing Christians, that the word of God is not being acknowledged as the final authority of truth. And I believe that in this hyper charismatic movement that there is gross biblical illiteracy. And I was one of those that was illiterate. But yet I was depending upon my extra biblical revelation, my dreams, my visions, me hearing the voice of God for myself to determine the truth. And that leads people into massive deception and it leads away from Christ. And so I want to be here as a sister in Christ to those and even and those that may not be born again that are listening to this, that I hope that you'll hear the gospel ministered. I hope that you'll turn, return, turn to saving faith in Christ, trust in him alone for your salvation. Know that there's nothing of merit that you can do to earn and be in his good graces, that you trust in him by grace through faith alone in Christ alone to save you from the wrath of God. If you don't know God, you don't know Jesus Christ, you are in enmity with him. You are an enemy against God. And you're you're condemned already if you don't believe in him. And um, and the wrath of God abides on you. You're a, a, a son of the devil. You are a son of disobedience. These are all things that scripture says. But when we are born again, we're transferred into his glorious kingdom. We're delivered from the domain of darkness. We are um, made co-heirs with Christ. We are adopted as sons of God. We are no longer at enmity with God. We are at peace with God. And we can have the peace of God as believers in Christ. We must know what the word of God says in the proper context. And so my argument is going to be that a lot of these teachers, they bank on you not opening your Bible and they, they talk quickly or they don't reference the verses. And so people think because they, they reference a Bible verse that they must know what they're talking about. That is not the case. So with that, that long-winded <laughs> introduction, let's listen to some of the things that Jenny said. And we're going to go to scripture and see if what she's saying is actually sound doctrine. Can we contest her doctrine? I think we can. And I would also say, too, just remember 26 of the 27 books of Scripture in the New Testament tell us um, and warn us about false prophets, false teachers, 
Uh, They tell us what to do with such people. We're to mark and avoid them. You can't mark and avoid someone if you don't identify what's going on. That's in Romans 16, 17. So I, I want you to keep that in mind. If 26 of the 27 letters of the New Testament that God sovereignly ordained to be the canon of Scripture, and the Old Testament talks about and warns about false prophets and false shepherds and such as well. If God thought enough in the New Testament and in the Old Testament to warn of these things, then it must be important for us to remember this and to acknowledge the importance of sound biblical teaching. And you must know what the sound biblical teaching is so you can understand and recognize the false teaching. And if you're biblically illiterate and you hear Jenny Weaver say these things, you're not going to recognize that it's false. And furthermore, for her to say what she teaches is from the Bible and that you cannot contest her doctrine, she's automatically made it to where you cannot use critical thinking. You cannot call into question what she's saying. If you dare do that, guess what? She tells you right after that. This teaching stirs up devils. So you are automatically demonized. And that's what's unfortunate also in this movement is that humans and is that people are being demonized. People are being demonized and told if you ask questions, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You have another spirit in operation that is presumptuous. That is manipulative. It's spiritually abusive to do such things, and it's unbiblical. And if you don't know that someone actually is being influenced by a demon, and all you do is whenever someone questions you, other than your apostle or your leaders, but you're not willing to let other people question you and say, this doesn't make sense. Help me understand why what you're saying doesn't line up with scripture, and you immediately demonize someone then I would encourage you, dear sister, you need to get away from that teacher. You need to go and find, you need to be in a solid church. You need to be in a sound Bible teaching church. You need to be um, a part of a church where there's a pastor, where there's a, a, a plurality of elders that are going to, um, that, the, that the, the pastor's not a renegade or he, he's not the, the be-all, end-all. You need to be in a solid Bible teaching church where you are allowed to ask questions and that a good shepherd that's leading you back to the, the ultimate shepherd is not afraid when you ask questions. So again, with that, I am so sorry, but well, let's get to this. So let's listen to some of the things Jenny had to say about seducing spirits. The problem with seducing spirits and doctrine of devils is these, that one right there, the seducing spirit, it actually causes you to lose your salvation. That's a hell, heaven and hell issue right now. Now we're talking about a demon that is coming to actually, look what it says here, some shall depart from the faith. Prior to this, she read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, and I'm going to read this to you out of the ESV, and then we're going to look at some of the commentaries, for example, and try to get a better understanding of what this is, of the meaning. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars, verse 2, whose consciences are seared. And Paul goes on to talk about what they do. They forbid marriage. They require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Now I wanted to read those few verses after it because it gives you some context to what Paul is talking about here for one thing. 
We see that deceiving spirits, according to uh, David Dixon, he says, deceiving spirits includes false teachers who taught and propagated by the inspiration of the devil false doctrines or doctrines of devils and attention or giving credit to those teachers and devils. I think it's important that we understand the context of this first of what was going on and what uh, Paul was referring to, but she's going to focus on the first part of verse four, when it says that the spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and, and teachings of demons. And she says, and you heard her, it says that these seducing spirits cause you to lose your salvation. Now, I don't know what your beliefs are about uh, eternal security. I do not believe that I can lose my salvation because when I read scripture now, I see areas and, and there are people that will say, well, you know, I can pull up these verses that that refute what you're saying. And I think that those are worthy discussions to have. Those are good discussions because we need to go back to the word and we need to be willing to have these discussions as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so there were some verses in, in 1 John that came to mind when she said this. For one thing, when John near the end in 1 John 5 is writing to fellow believers, he encourages them in verse 13 about the things he wrote. And he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. In 1 John chapter 2, when he's talking to fellow believers, he warns them about con- uh, coming antichrist. In verse, uh, in verse 18 of 1 John 2, he says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I would encourage you to read First John so that you can see the context of those verses. But that was the one verse that came to mind when she said that, um, when she said that these demons can cause you to lose your salvation. I am of the mind that if I could lose my salvation, I would have already done that. And so when I, if I can lose my salvation, then it would seem that it's based on my merit, that what I've done, but it's not. My salvation is based on what Christ has done. And so that's how, when I look at scripture, I'm, I'm encouraged to know that I can't lose my salvation. That does not mean I can do what I want with my life. That gives me the the assurance and the hope of knowing that I'm going to live with Christ in eternity because of him, because of what he did. And so that was concerning to me. It, it seemed as if this demon had more power than the Holy Spirit, who is supposed to be the one, according to Ephesians, who seals you for the day of redemption, who is your guaranteed promise for the inheritance. There are various passages that talk about this. And, and so this seems to give more power to a demon than it does the Holy Spirit to keep you. I want to look at what some commentaries, some other um, solid Bible teachers would have to say on this matter as far as seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. So let's look at those for just a moment. So I just opened up Logos on my computer and uh, right clicked on the word deceitful spirits when uh, looking it up um, in 1 Timothy 4.1. And when I right clicked on it, I did a complete word study on it. And it splits it up into two separate meanings of that word, because not every word that's used in the Greek has the same meaning every time. So in the particular passage in 1 Timothy 4, that word is deceitful. 
And the definition of it, it's an adjective, and it says it's marked by deliberate deceptiveness. So that's what the deceitful spirits are. The seducing spirits, what Jenny's referring to. And um, the other passage that reference this ty- this references this type of word, this same Greek word, is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 8, which says, Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true. So that's Paul talking to the Corinthian church. And he was being labeled by the super apostles as deceitful or an imposter, the, deliberately being deceptive. But we know that Paul was not. In Second Corinthians, when you read it, when you go on to verse 11, he begins to talk about the deceivers, the super apostles, <laughs> which is the other meaning of this, this Greek word that's used. In 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about those that were deceiving and that they were disguised, even as um, as Satan was as an angel of light. And so of uh, workers of uh, righteousness, they were trying to be, but in, in really that they were deceivers. So we can see here that that uh, this the meaning of this word is marked by deliberate deceptiveness. Now, what Jenny does is she continues to go on and say they like to take over your mind and your thoughts They will convince you that what you heard is the truth, and she equates uh, people pointing out false teaching as gossip and sowing seeds of discord. Now, before I play that, I just want to provide some encouragement to us as believers in Christ. Um, I believe that the scripture supports the fact that we cannot lose our salvation, and that should give us hope, because if we're sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantor of our inheritance, then we have great hope. We have confident assurance in what Christ has done and that we cannot lose our salvation. Again, that does not give give us a right to do whatever we want to with our life because we know that we are not our own as believers. We were bought at a price, uh, the price of the blood of Christ to redeem us, to, um, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to impute his righteousness to us. So, and, and to reconcile us to the father so that we are no longer at enmity with God. And so I want to encourage you as believers in Christ, you cannot lose your salvation and to give demons such such a, a, a enormous ability to take your salvation is not this this passage is not saying that um, she's equating this uh, demonic spirit in saying that that causes you to lose your salvation. If people depart from the faith, it's it would seem that they were never of the faith to begin with. Um, and again, I refer to First John in that, in First John 2. I hope that that gives you some assurance and some hope and confidence in the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ and what he did for, for us on the cross in saving us from the wrath of God. Uh, Romans 5 talks about this. I encourage you to read Romans 5 so you know what you're saved from. You're not saved from your sin. You're saved from the penalty of sin, which is the wrath of God. And that's not talked about a lot in this movement. I, if it's even talked about at all, quite frankly. Um, of the the importance of the cross. In fact, there there's a gospel that's referenced many times to remove the cross or to diminish the cross and the power of the cross, and to almost make it as that they're offended by the cross, which the cross really does bring a, a offense. It really does because people find that offensive. Even in the time of the Romans, they found it offensive. So I would just encourage you in what the word says that. Um, those that depart from the faith never knew God to begin with. If, if you can be lulled away and you come back to the, to the true understanding of what Scripture says, and again, that's why it's so important that we come back to what the Word of God says in the proper context, then you're going to believe this and you're going to give more power to the enemy than you are to God himself. 
the power of the gospel is solid. The power of the gospel brings salvation, and the Holy Spirit is far greater than any demon can ever be, and you cannot lose your salvation. You are secure in Christ, and that the gospel brings us hope, and it brings us joy in his salvation, and it brings us the truth. When looking at the Moody commentary, this provides us just a little bit more insight. For example, uh, in for 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses uh, 1, it talks about 1 through 5 here, but we'll focus mainly on verse 1. But they, uh, it says here, Paul described a great falling away yet to come. So this is talking about an apostasy. He says, uh, the commentary says, this apostasy will be doctrinal in nature and demonic in origin. He characterized the agents behind this apostasy as hypocritical liars who lack a moral compass. They are seared or literally cauterized in conscience and self-deceived. His use of the perfect passive participle indicates that he sees this apostasy as having already begun. The apostate's teaching makes an unhealthy disdain of marriage with Jewish dietary restrictions. And Paul considered a lifestyle of permanent celibacy appropriate only for those who possess the gift to be virgins for Christ. So this is just an example from uh, the Moody commentary. This and that, That's obviously not the word of God, but this just kind of helps... T- to shed some light on it, maybe provide historical context from Bible scholars that have studied these passages and are giving some more insight so we can better understand the proper context of the passage. And it really helps not just read verse 1, but to go on and to read more verses and then and then again to, to engage in further Bible study, which is what I highly encourage you to do. But getting back to Jenny's teaching, let's hear what she has to say about pointing out false teaching uh, like hers, but saying it's not false teaching because she says it's gossip and sowing seeds of discord and that this seducing spirit that, that uh, I myself seem to be under and others that would call this into question out of great concern for her and for those that, are, that she's um, teaching that uh, this seducing spirit allegedly perverts and manipulates and, and makes the truth seem false. They will convince you that something that you heard is absolutely truth, and it is not truth. That's how seducing spirit works. That's why there are people that do expose videos on me all the time about women can't preach. That is the one thing they have against me is women can't preach, and also they don't like that I teach about speaking in tongues and doing deliverance and so that is what we call a doctrine of devils where they have twisted the word to fit their narrative be careful be careful now when she says be careful i've heard her say this in other videos is that she believes that when you make claims like that you're actually blaspheming the holy spirit to call her into question a fallible human being who is capable of sin and error and false teaching. She believes that if you call these things into question and you want to test them, which 1 John 4 tells us to test the spirits. I mean, I know she would agree with that passage. The problem is it's rules for thee and not for me. So I just find it very ironic that you'll hear in general people who are teaching things like what she's teaching in this video that they will tell you, you are not allowed to question, you're not allowed to test, but I'm going to tell you that you have a demon assigned to you if you question me. That's hypocrisy. So you can't say the rules for thee and not for me thing, basically. You have to abide by my rules, but I don't have to abide by my rules. So I can say that you have a demon because you question me, but you can't dare question me with, with scripture in context. 
because I'm teaching you the scripture in context, even though it's not in context. <laughs> Do you see when I, it's a circular argument and it's, and it's hypocrisy. It's absolute hypocrisy to say such things to people. And again, it's manipulative. Whether she's intentionally doing it or not, I don't know. I don't know her motives. I don't know her intent. She could be sincere and severely, uh, sincerely wrong. I don't know. I will say this. When you teach things like that, that's manipulative. Whether you mean for it to be or not, it's manipulative and it's damaging. And it's not honoring God. We are to test everything in accordance with Scripture. Everything. We are to make sure that everything aligns with what God has already revealed in his word. And when you tell people, once again, that you have this undertone of, well, if you question, you know, these exposing videos that say things, just like Catherine Crick was saying, all these exposing videos, the immediate thing is you get the P card, you get the Pharisee card, you get the religious spirit card. You have these different things that are said about, about you when you call these things into question, it shuts down critical thinking. It shuts down true biblical discernment. And Charlie Shamp said the only way you can discern things, and I've heard people say this to me, that you have to have this, the gift of discernment, that you can't discern as you as a born-again believer, not just anybody that can use biblical discernment. You have, must have the actual gift of discernment. That's not what Scripture says. We are all as believers in, in Christ to use proper biblical discernment. And the only way you can do that is to know what the Word of God says in context. And the only way that you can glorify God with the Word of God is to know what it says in context. And to pervert it and to manipulate it and to say what you want it to say. Um, and then to tell people, you don't question me. You, don't qu you can't question my doctrine. You can't contest it. You are calling people to disobey what the Word of God says when it says to test everything, to examine somebody's fruit. That doesn't mean your personal life or who you're under as a, a leader or submitted to. That means what you're teaching. That's part of the fruit of, of every one of us that are all, we're all theologians. R.C. Sproul, I believe, was the one that said that. We're all theologians, but some are bad theologians and some are good theologians. We're all theologians. We must make sure that our theology lines up with what the Bible attests, because that's the word of God. Let's go on. Um, people that are under this are moving in hypocrisy according to the word it says they call it calls them hypocritical liars you guys have to know this moving forward is this so that i can be on here and start name dropping no if i did name dropping right now my page would shoot up a hundred thousand followers in a day it really would that's not the ministry that the lord has given me because i can drop a name today but what about 10 years from now when that news is old and you still don't know how to rightly divide the word. You still don't know how to discern the real from the fake. It's better for me to teach you the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ than to do controversy so that I can gain a following. So once again, it would seem, and I may be misunderstanding what she's saying here, but it almost seems as if that she's um, making an implication that those who call out people by name, like I'm doing right now, um, that we're trying to gain a following, that we're trying to stir up controversy so we can gain a following. Would she say the same thing about uh, what happened in Scripture when those that are directly called out by name were called out, that were exposed for what they were doing? And Second Timothy 3.16 states that all Scripture is uh, God-breathed, that it is profitable for reproof, correction, for training up in righteousness. Reproof is rebuke. Uh, I mean, correcting us, co convicting us of sin, correcting faults. 
as believers, we're all called to do that. We're, we're told to, we're instructed to go back to the word of God and to provide rebuke, provide reproof, correction from scripture. And then to say that those that actually use a person's name, and that's not the first time I've heard that. And and you probably heard it either. I've heard others say this, that uh, you're just trying to build clout and you're just trying to build um, your, your page or whatever when, when other people use a person's name. How are you supposed to correct somebody if you don't directly address them? And you don't have to have a personal relationship with a teacher who is publicly putting these things out. That's not a personal sin or a personal grievance against someone else like Matthew 18 talks about. This is a public teaching that is going out to thousands of people. She has over 100,000 followers on her YouTube channel, let alone on other social media, for example, just to give you an idea. So that's not to to say, oh, well, look how many followers she has. That's to help you understand that's the amount of influence that these videos can have over people. Thousands of people watch these videos all the time. That is concerning because it's getting out to all these different, especially women that are hearing this and they don't, they're not being able to use proper biblical discernment because it's being shut down because they're told, well, you know, you can't test my doctrine. You can't contest it because if you contest it, then you have a demon. That's a logical approach. And I've talked to some of these women that have come out of this specific group and they have, uh, they have alleged these same claims. When they went to ask questions, they were told they had a demon, that they did not have the Holy Spirit, that they had a demon. And that is wrong to do that. I'm sorry that is abusive and that is inappropriate to make such a claim. And that is not uncommon in this movement, unfortunately. You don't have to be an apostle or prophet. All you have to do is just be someone in a level of authority over other a group of people. And if you go to ask a question, you're going to have not every leader, but you're going to have these leaders that will immediately demonize you and say, you have a demon because you're questioning me as an apostle, prophet, a worship leader, whatever you think that you are. And by the way, let me just put this out there. Another thing too, you're not Esther. Jenny's not Esther. I'm not Esther. She's not Nehemiah. I'm not Nehemiah. You're not Nehemiah. You're none of the Bible characters. You can be encouraged by their stories, but ultimately you are to look to scripture and, and see Christ to see the, the, the testimony of Christ in the old Testament, which holds the gospel in it. And to see the new Testament, which reveals the gospel. It's a foreshadowing in the Old Testament. It's a, re- it's a revealing of it in the New Testament when Jesus Christ comes in his earthly ministry. He dies on the cross, and then the apostles lay the foundation for the church to have, and the church has continued to be built for the past 2,000 years without the need for new apostles and new prophets. Because you know why? We have the Word of God as our foundation that testifies of Christ. And the Word is supposed to draw us back to Christ, not to ourselves, not to exalt us, not to have a false humility or a um, a pseudo-exaltation of Christ while we exalt ourselves and think more highly of ourselves than we should. No, the gospel is Christ-centered. And if we have any sort of teaching that is not pointing us back to the majesty, the splendor, the holiness of God, that is not pointing us back to the true gospel of Jesus Christ, to a Christ, to a gospel that contains a cross with the, the son of God who died for our sins, if we negate the cross and we're continuing to always talk about these, these teachings that 
I believe are doctrines of demons, um, ironically enough, that are hypocritical, that are perverted, that are manipulative, that make the truth seem false. When you're trying to say, go back to the word of God, go back to what this says, don't rely on your everything else, go back to scripture in the proper context. That's so important that we do that. Well, she continues to go on, and I've mentioned already some of the things she says. Um, she, she talks about the perversion, the manipulation. She says that this seducing spirit is able to pull you away from God and to take over your mind, and that this demon is a heaven and hell issue. The devil can't come to you with Harry Potter no more. That's obvious. He's going to try to come in a sneaky way. He's going to try to present gossip as you being a good person. He'll make you think that what you're doing is helping people by spreading all, I'm just trying to help you, I'm just trying, and you don't even know that you are literally falling prey to the sin that God hates, which is gossip, and sowing seeds of discord amongst the brethren. Seducing spirits will come and they will pervert and they will manipulate. They will cause you to try to, try to give money for stuff that the Bible never says we need to give money for. Sow this and get this. Sow this, get this. So let's get this. What? No. Wake up, church. So I'm going to be teaching about this tonight. Seducing spirits tell untruths and lies that sound completely believable. Lying spirits take over people. They reverse the truth in their minds and their spirits, and they make the truth seem false all of a sudden. That's why the Bible says they will call good evil and evil good in the last day. They will manipulate the truth. I want you guys to know that this is the reality of what we're living in in the body of Christ. We have more people that spend time on social media than in the Word and with the Lord Jesus. And they literally wait for other people to tell them what's true and what's false. Because they have no true foundation with the Holy Spirit. See, I don't need videos to tell me that. I don't need to study false to know the truth. I study the truth. And then whenever the false comes to me, I'm automatically like, oh, uh-uh, no. And I just move on. I don't sit in the dust and play. I shake the dust off and keep it moving like the Bible says. Now, before I get to the clip where she talks about the, that this demon is a heaven and hell issue, I want to say I agree with her on this point. You don't need videos, and you certainly don't need this podcast. It's not an absolute thing that you need to understand the truth. The Word of God is the ultimate authority. I do agree with her on that. It's ironic that she's doing this video, though, in order to tell people the truth um, about seducing spirits and to provide this revelation that she's gotten about it concerning this, this one particular verse. She's making a video. She's wanting people to watch the video, but they don't need the video. But I will agree with her that many people spend a lot of time on social media and that they're relying on people to give them the information they need. And again, if anything, just to be encouraged from this episode, go back to scripture. That is the, that is the main message I have almost every episode. Go back to the word of God. Stay in the Word of God. Abide in the Word of God. If you are truly a disciple of Christ, you will abide in the Word of God. Scripture tells us this. Jesus himself said it in John 8, 31 and 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free because you abide in his word. You must know what his word says. And it's so important to do that. And so I do agree with her that there are people that depend on other people to teach them the word. You need to be, first of all, in a sound biblical church. 
with uh, listening to a sound, uh, sound, solid pastor, and you need to be in the word of God daily. It is vital for you to be in the word of God daily and, and understand that's part of your fellowship with the Lord. That's part of you understanding who he is and understanding Christ and understanding who you are in Christ because of what he's done and the ways in which you are to walk. So I do agree with her to a certain point on that, uh, but it also seems like a circular argument that she's making or something that she's not aware that she's really uh, negating her own video, so to speak. But like I said, somebody could say that about my podcast too. Anyway, let's keep going. Seducing spirits deceiving spirits are able to take over your mind drop into your soul and that's how they pull you away from salvation they literally will deceive you to the point of pulling you away from God they pull you away from God it says that some will de- that some will depart from the faith this is why it's important this is a heaven and hell issue here this demon does not just want to come and give you lustful thoughts and make you feel bad and struggle with that this one wants to put you in hell that's why we need to know so we've now come back to the issue once again, where she states the seducing spirits uh, form basically an, a heaven and hell issue here that, uh, again, she believes you can lose your salvation. But we mentioned already a little bit ago in one of the commentaries about apostasy. Now, I wanted to read to you from another commentary and then read to you from the MacArthur Study Bible regarding what this means about departing from the faith. At first, I'm going to look at the MacArthur Study Bible that I have. And in the notes regarding 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, uh, in reference to falling away from the faith, MacArthur says this, Those who fall prey to the false teachers will abandon the Christian faith. The Greek word for fall away is the source of the English word apostatize and refers to someone moving away from an original position. These are professing or nominal Christians who associate with those who truly believe the gospel but defect after believing lies and deception, thus revealing their true nature as unconverted. So there is the belief that these people that actually depart from the faith, they were never of the faith to begin with. Again, I go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 there, that there are people that even in the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, you see that there were Jewish people that believed But then in the very same passages, they were wanting to kill Jesus because he said he was, I am, for example. I believe that was in uh, John 7 or John 8 around that area. And if I'm wrong about that, someone can correct me, (laughs) can email me (laughs) or send me a comment of some sort. But at any rate, there's several areas where it talks about the people heard him and believed. But then after a little while, if he taught for in John 6 that he was the 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 bread of life and that people had to eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to have eternal life that there were many that walked away from him including people that were professing disciples people can profess that they know Christ all day long but God is the one who transforms truly transforms the person who is spiritually dead and brings them to life and gives them the promise of eternal life and transforms them so that is seems to be what it's talking about. Now, I have another commentary from the Bible Believers Commentary when it talks about 1 John 4. This is what it had to say um, regarding some will depart from the faith. The word some is characteristic of 1 Timothy. What was a minority in this epistle seems to have become the majority in 2 Timothy. The fact that these people depart or fall away from the faith does not mean that they were ever saved, but simply that they had professed to be Christians. They knew about the Lord Jesus Christ and had been told that he was the only Savior. They professed for a time to follow him, 
them, but then they apostatized from the faith. They didn't really know Christ. Someone can say they believe, but in order for a, a true believer, one of the things w- that would mark them is that um, they would abide in his word, that they would obey what his word says. Um, so I wanted to provide some clarity to that from a couple of good uh, resources from that. So let's continue on to hear what Jenny has to say. Let him that thinketh he can stand take heed lest he fall, 1 Corinthians ten twelve. All of us need to be mindful right now. The loudest voice that is in our life needs to be the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. The loudest voice speaking into your life right now does not need to be Jenny Weaver, Stephen Weaver, core men, core ladies, this prophet, this one, your pastor. All of those are sources, but they are, re- are I'm sorry, they are resources, but they are not the source. The loudest voice in your life needs to be the voice of the Holy Spirit in you. Why have you not trained yourself up to hear the Lord? Now, once again, I reach a point of agreement with Jenny that as far as she, um, anyone else, including myself, we are not to be the ultimate source of the person that is giving you the, the guidance in your life. The guidance, though, comes from the Word of God. And the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. And he will illuminate the understanding of Scripture to you. She's going off on this tangent, whether she realizes it or not, she's going off on this tangent to say, why haven't you, why have you not, why have you not trained yourself to hear the voice of God? Where is it in Scripture that it tells us that we need to be trained to hear the voice of God? The argument, I believe, could be made that Scripture is being made little of. You are to understand that when you open the Word of God to read it, when you open Scripture, the Bible, that you can be assured that that is God speaking. You don't have to train yourself, and you can't train yourself to hear the voice of God, to get the right frequency or anything like that. And you're not told to do that. And a lot of times people will use the account in Samuel, when Samuel was a young man in the temple and he heard God speak to him and didn't know who he was and thought it was Eli calling out to him, they will use that as a prescriptive text to tell you, you need to learn how to hear the voice of God. There's no Bible passage that tells you that you need to learn how to hear the voice of God for yourself. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to start ascribing things to the voice of God that he did not say, that came from your own imagination, your own vain imagination, and your own mind. You are going to concoct things if you don't know what Scripture says in the proper context, and you have not been uh, stayed in Bible study and been in a solid biblical church and under sound teaching, you are going to be led astray, you are going to be blown around by every wind of doctrine, and you are going to convince yourself of things that God did not say, and furthermore, that even contradict Scripture. It's very um, belittling to say, well, why have you not trained yourself to hear the voice of God? Well, I believe that God has spoken through his word, and I believe it's sufficient and it's powerful. And I don't need to train myself to hear the voice of God because the scripture does not tell me to do that. It does not tell me to seek within myself to hear the voice of God. And 1 Corinthians 10 12 in the context of what she's talking about, that has nothing to do with how to hear the voice of God. It is in the context to idolatry and Paul warning about idolatry. Please read that and and read it in context to see what it's what it's saying because it's not talking about you learning how to hear the voice of God for yourself and that the loudest voice in your life needs to be the Holy Spirit it has nothing to do with that. But yes, we are to be led by the Spirit 
But the Word of God is our final authority. And it gets dangerous when we begin to think that we're hearing the voice of God and we try to say, well, I don't believe that uh, modern prophecy today is on the same par as, as Scripture, but if I say that it's from God, then it has to be from God. And in doing that, you're making it on par with Scripture. Jenny goes on to talk about what uh, some different things about uh, someone asks her to, to do a teaching about how to hear the voice of God for themselves, and she talks about her calling to the core group, and she mentions about how to recognize that certain teachings are false and such. I just want to remind you before we uh, close our time out today that 26 of the 27 books of the New Testament, I think I've already said this, but it bears repeating, they warn us in some way of false teachers and false prophets. And uh, Romans 16, as I mentioned before, tells us to mark and avoid those who would cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 3, says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, which I would lump saying that people that question you have demons as evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. There are other passages. Uh, there's one more that I'd like to read to you, but I encourage you, if you want to do a study uh, on this, look up some good Bible teachers about false teaching so you can understand uh, what it means to have proper biblical discernment. I may share some uh, a couple of links in the description so you can keep a lookout for those. But one more I wanted to share with you today. This comes from Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. When it's talking about the qualifications for elders, Paul had this to say to Titus. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. He goes on to say in verse 13, This testimony is true when talking about one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own. He says, therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So we're... we're told in scripture of what to look for. And in, in order to know what those things are, we must know what the word of God says. Now, in closing, and I appreciate you listening to this today, I would encourage if there is any woman that's listening to this episode and you are involved in the core group, I would highly encourage you to get out. I would highly encourage you to leave. If you want to try to ask questions, if you've had questions and you want to try, I don't know how well it's going to go for you, but it's still it's it's still biblical for you to ask questions. You do not have a demon because you're asking questions. It's an unbiblical approach and and a a leader is not is ungodly in acting such a way if they're going to deem people that ask questions as having a demonic entity that is causing them to question a teaching. Any teaching is supposed to align with the word of God. 
the word of God is the final authority and it must be in the proper context. And it doesn't matter who it is. Everybody is, is open for evaluation and inspection upon what they're saying. So I would encourage you to leave. I would encourage you to uh, evaluate this in accordance with scripture, to test yourself, to see if you're even in the faith, to make sure that you understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And I would encourage Jenny to uh, repent. I would encourage her to stop teaching these things and to go back to the word of God in the proper context and to stop demonizing people. It is, it's really sad to me when um, you hear the same type of thing and it's just a, it's a different individual, but the same type of narrative coming from people in this movement, in various capacities of this movement. You hear a lot of people being told that if they, if they pose questions, they're immediately demonized in some way, shape or fashion that they are told that uh, they're, they're rebellious or they're walking in dishonor or that they're not loyal to the leader, that they are touching God's anointed, that they are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. There are many different things that are said in order to shut down proper biblical discernment. And there is nothing wrong with asking questions of someone who professes to be a Christian. If you are a Christian, your fruit is to be examined. That's not just in the conduct in your home, which is vital and important, and the relationship with your husband and your children and your and within the church, but it is also important that what you espouse as doctrine to be tested. And when it doesn't line up with scripture, and it's based on an even greater false teaching, and you're saying such things as you need to have deliverance maintenance done every few months to make sure that you don't have demons, that you must have signs and wonders in order for it to be the full gospel, and focusing so much on legalistic things that you must do in order to, uh, to, to be saved, in order to be a Christian, in order for you to walk in, in holiness and purity. You must do these things or else, you know, A, B, and C is going to happen to you. And this is not in accordance with scripture and you understanding, again, sanctification, what it means to be justified before God, what it means for between the difference between um, being justified and being sanctified. And, and that's a continual process and understanding the importance of proper biblical discipleship and understanding um, what what true deliverance is in accordance with scripture and sitting under proper biblical teaching to where you're learning more and more about the word of God in the proper context and how to apply it in your life when it's prescriptive and how to be encouraged when it's descriptive. You know, there are different things that we can learn as believers. And um, I just want to encourage you in the word of God, in, in, in his word, in the truth of his word, because his word is the truth. I, am, I refuse to bow down to this demonization uh, of being told that, well, when you ask questions of these people that you have a demon, you don't even have the Holy Spirit, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit, taking these scriptures out of context and um, being hip- being a hypocrite in, in word and deed in doing these things and not being willing to engage in a conversation. And I can assure you there, uh, there have been times with the exception, I have engaged in one conversation that I can think of with one of these well-known ministers in this movement that actually engaged with me in a comment and was respectful and was actually kind and generous 
in his response. Many of the others will not do that. They will immediately block. They will remove your ability to be able to correspond with them. And that to me is is a sign of spiritual immaturity. If you're not willing to engage people that disagree with you and you're not willing to have iron sharpen iron, if you are a true born again believer, you're not willing to take questions, you're not willing to evaluate and be humble and to be humbled and to say, well, maybe what I'm teaching is error. You know, I know that this apostle affirms it, but I need to make sure that I have a proper understanding of the word of God. I need to test this and make sure to have true humility. And that includes with fellow brothers, sisters in Christ that have no title (laughs) and have no clout, but that we are able to correct one another in love and truth. If you remove that ability to do that, then, and and you say, well, you can't question me. You can't contest my doctrine. Then that would seem to make you a false teacher. And that would seem to uh, be a very haughty and arrogant way to handle things. I would hope that God would be merciful and pray that God would be merciful enough to illuminate his word to you by his spirit, that you would be humbled to see the error that's there or the potential error that's there in your actions and your thinking and your beliefs and your teachings to where you would go back to the word of God and be willing to be humbled and to make sure that you have a proper understanding and to get out of your echo chamber. Because what's happening is, is that in this movement, an echo chamber is created. People are blocked, they're deleted, they're unfriended, and you don't want to hear opposing views because they don't agree with you or you block the haters or that person has a demon and that person has this demonic spirit and you begin to demonize people, make false, and also you are bearing false witness about your brother or sister in Christ when you say that. So you are actually um, disobeying God in what he says, and, and saying things about your, and slandering. I mean, again, the hypocrisy that's in these types of teachings, it's not just Jenny, but it's rampant in these. I mean, the, the amount of lack of self-awareness and the amount of hypocrisy, it's, it's disturbing. It is disturbing and, and true and truth matters. Doctrine matters, as I've said before, and we must stand on the truth and the truth comes back to the authority of the scriptures. What does God's word have to say? Not to what I think that God has told me in my mind and what he's told me in my private time in the quote secret place, but it's what has God already spoken in his word that I know is solid and foundational in my life as a believer. So I say that with all sincerity. I do not have any malice towards anyone in this movement. Even though it's frustrating hearing these teachings, there is no malice. It is great concern. And as someone who was a false prophet in this movement, I recognize the mercy that was extended to me that I did not deserve. I deserve God's judgment. I deserve his wrath. I spoke things that I thought were so sincere, and I blasphemed the name of God by the things that I said, thinking that they were, that they were correct, being affirmed by my apostle that the things I said were correct, and they were in gross error and sin against God. And that is why I say something now. So please, I implore anyone that is part of this, this core group, this enterprise, please get out. Jenny, please repent of these things. Please go back to the word of God. Go back to scripture in the proper context. 
Humble yourself. Humble yourself before God. I hope that this has been helpful today. And I appreciate you taking time to listen. If you have any questions or any thoughts, if you have any um, grievances <laughs> that you want to share, please feel free to email me at dawn at lovesubscribe.com. And just know if you ever disagree with me, I will not block you. I will not close you off. The only time I have ever done that is when someone is continuing to blast, to be blasphemous and then and spout false teaching or if they use profanity or if they actually threaten me, which that's not happened. But I just want to say, you can, you can disagree with me. I'm willing to have the conversations. I've had conversations with people I disagree with. I'm open to having those conversations, knowing and, and making it aware on that person's end. I'm going to go back to the Word of God. That's my appeal, is to Scripture. So, again, I hope you found this helpful. I look forward to being with you again as we talk about another topic. Be blessed today by the truth of God's Word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you. Thank you.